and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book of the main series. However, my co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello. Our producer, AJ Falleri. Hi. How are the bars? How are the levels? Oh, they're good. They're great. You love to hear it. And last but not least, Josh Osamwala Baker. <laughs> that's right. I am some delectable. What delectable? That's the word. Yeah, bone marrow, baby. Just like roast yeah. me, crack me open, <laughs> scoop me out, go to town. My apologies to our uh, French-speaking <laughs> listeners, uh, but you don't apologize to anyone, Pete. You just spent ten minutes saying those three words over and over again, and nothing this. else. I was trying to get it. I was trying to. And do I it. think yeah, you nailed yeah. it. Uh, yeah, big shout outs to uh, our patron Fabrice uh, for <laughs> for that wonderful uh wordplay uh and it's, it's supposed to be josh Amwal instead of josh osamal but oh i see like bone I marrow see. but josh marrow i guess i don't know what the what the well, why did you tell me to say the os in it then just because that was the whole phrase and you're supposed to put you're supposed to put josh at the os anyway you know what I'm listen confused. i appreciate wow, you know it. honestly aj we've been going through this for 10 minutes and not once yeah seriously what the fuck <laughs> In the beginning, you were saying it right, and I said, "Oh, do the OS so that you get like the whole whatever." Anyway, Josh, um, yes, Josh, There you go. Okay, there it is. All right, we did. Thank it. you, Fabrice. Sorry to all our French listeners and um, all of our regular listeners. <laughs> well, French speaking, anyway. But French speaking. Shout out. Also, what's I guess going I just implied on? that French people aren't regular, but now I'm not taking it back. <laughs> okay, that's right. We're starting another anyway. More beef. Also, uh, I just want to say Fabrice ended <laughs> ended our exchange with next time you come to France or Switzerland, try asking for a Josh and Moi, which I thought was funny. I only call them freedom fries. That's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so as you could probably uh, tell, we're reading The Bone Hunters. And today on the show, we read uh, chapters 14, 15 and 16, uh, kind of some action packed chapters in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to dive in and talk about them. So I think we should uh, bust right straight on into uh, this this one and uh, crack open a can of whipped cream, baby. <laughs> what? Huh? Like it's a cherry sundae. All right, here we go. Chapter 14. Scalara has decided to give up her baby. However, Laoric and other villagers argue with her over the decision. Barathal has decided that once Cutter is healed, he will travel to the coast with them. Barathal then speaks with Scalara about the baby and unburying Kaboric. Barathal and Chower go and disinter the old man. When they do, they find Greyfog recovering. The demon goes and speaks with Scalara. Laoric is with Scalara. Corblo Dom is the father of her child. The two speak together about why Haboric was killed, the war between gods, and humility. Greyfrog will go with Laoric. Cutter awakes in a dream. He slowly gathers his senses and is quietly observing Leoman and Dunsparrow. They convene with the Queen of Dreams. They speak about Leoman's debt to the Queen of Dreams. Hood and gods using mortals. The Queen of Dreams finally looks at Cutter. And he awakes. 
what Oric thinks on this town, and about Barathal and Aaron. He takes Greyfog and leaves through a warren. Barathal remains working on something in his smithy. Karsa finds a jagged corpse, and they speak about the wounds. He thinks a strange creature is nearby, so Karsa goes out to hunt him. He returns, and the bear has escaped. Karsa and Samar speak a long time then about the moon, omens, Karsa's past, and civilization. Mapo travels through a swamp with a scarl pust. He recalls when the Trell battled the Nimel, the tactics of the elder Trinagar, and how it all ended. Mapo wonders if Pust is trying to slow him down when he encounters Spite. She says she has a ship nearby if they want to travel together. Although she helped free Dejim Nabral, she has been outlawed by the Nameless Ones and wants to tell Mapo more about what their scheme is. A young boy is sick, his village ravaged by plague. He walks with dogs north. Here he finds a city full of broken ones, and Felicin Younger, who renames him Crocus. So, India, the ch this chapter starts in the tiny village, and it starts with Scalara, and uh, many people have opinions about her giving up her child, uh, Lorik included, and, uh, and she talks with Barathol and a few others, and I wonder how you're feeling about Scalara right now, and the kind of the state she's in, and this recovery, and as she's kind of transitioning through this village. What, what, where are you at? You know, I think it's, uh, I don't have much thoughts about this, PB, honestly. Um, she doesn't want the baby. She doesn't want the baby, you know? It's just it. Oh, sure. I guess I just meant more about where she was at, and I really liked some of the those conversations around her. And I think uh, here's here's one quote I pulled. Uh, it says, of course, in this instance, their virtue came easy for it cost them nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this good. is some Barathal was thinking about. And I, I think I just enjoyed some of the talk around these people who were, I guess, shaming her or I don't know. Definitely bad shaming vibes. her, yes. Yeah, being bad vibes about it, and I thought that really surmised it pretty well that, you know, it's it's easier said than done, and it costs them nothing to say that, so I kind of really loved this whole sequence in there. AJ, what did you make of all that? Um, I mean, I, in, I, I don't know. I won't say I enjoyed it, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that quote you pulled is, is a pretty good... Um, like summation of all of the all of these all of these scenes where people are trying to like you said shame her into keeping this child sure i don't know i appreciated that she was able to not keep the child uh of her own choice uh, which is nice mm -hmm. but i also was interested in these these jessa women. yes that wanted to the, keep it the jessas yeah i was curious I don't know if you know, like, is Jessa both their actual names? Yes. Or is it just like a title? No, like, they, really are, they are both named Jessa. Okay, One had okay. a kid 14 years ago and right. the other has a kid with fucked up legs that will right. die, which is upsetting. Yeah. Which is upsetting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they say that so cavalierly yeah. too. But but hey, at least she at least she kept her baby, you know? Anyway. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Scalara. Me too. I'm coming around on her. 
slowly. <laughs> um, the gray frog thing with him being like, oh, you mu- oh, yeah. must. We can I must, finally talk. We can, we can finally speak. I had to not speak to protect the baby. And she's like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> Why can't the baby be back in me? Yeah. Yeah, Josh, speaking, Gray Frog's back. He comes, he's like recovering. And then more importantly, he kind of talks with Laoric. And I would say, although Laoric kind of showed up earlier in the Yucatan sequence, this is our first time really seeing more of him. And he talks a little more, talks to Barathal and a few other people. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think of Laoric? And then he's gone, you know? I'm enjoying Laoric less and less in this book as it goes on compared to last book. I really dug Laoric mm. last book and... He is getting real fucking high and mighty in this one, and he's a very a lot of holier than thou speak. So I wasn't here for it with with him and Scalara. I'm good actually. Uh, Although him and Gray Frog's delight because Gray Frog's fucking insane, and Lorik's just kind of like this is my son. (laughs) I love him. I've never really vibed with Lorik, and I find him particularly insufferable in this chapter. So. Yeah, I think in the last book, I was looking for anyone in that fucking camp. Not the last book, two books ago. I was looking for anyone sure, in that camp. Any, anyone in Shaikh's or Yeah, to latch on to that I could give a shit about. So. Sure. All right. Well, you know, they're all recuperating in the camp, and they do disinter Haboric. And then after they do, AJ, Cutter wakes up in the dream. Yes. Queen of Dreams sees Leoman and Dunsparrow. What you make of this little eavesdropping scene in a way? Uh, this scene was wild. Having the Queen of Dreams talking to Leoman and Dunsparrow and being like, oh, I didn't think I'd be talking to Dunsparrow. Oh, well, bad luck for you, I guess. Uh, and then <laughs> for Leoman to just kind of be like, I don't know, still searching for a purpose or whatever oh oh uh the one part i really loved in here was um the queen of dreams talking about how hood never forgave whiskey jack for taking dunsparrow from his Mm. temple and like would like slightly intervene in in whiskey jack's life specifically like all he needed was a healer for that ankle and hood just kept pushing it away just like yeah you know i love that errant style nudging him away from being healed um mm-hmm. just to make his death even worse and then now regrets it which i was like That's yeah so regrets interesting. his decision his lack of humility stings him yet again yeah and then just telling dunsparrow that basically like now now hood might try and like make her whiskey jack in a way of like i don't know like looking out for her or whatever or, mm-hmm. or like trying to make up for what he did with whiskey jack so i'm excited to see if dunsparrow just like does a big heel turn and saves someone at some point but uh and then uh you know cutter gets discovered so that's frightening um really confused how he got there though is the thing but she's the queen and of I dreams and he was dreaming she is the queen of dreams right i guess it's just a dream but like i also feel like if you're the queen of dreams if you have that title you can tell people not to be in dreams <laughs> And she put him in the dream. Yeah, she, she must have brought right, him. That's, yeah, right. Which is like, why? <laughs> is my thought. Oh, she wanted him to see that conversation. Sure. Duh. But why? <laughs> it's my AJ, question. Duh, AJ. <laughs> AJ, read the, read the fucking book. You'll find out. <laughs> okay. I know I I know someone who isn't the queen of dreams on the show, so. <laughs> it just seems uh, weird strategically, but okay. <laughs> Everything yeah. seems weird strategically. India. That's because you're not thinking through the, the fourth dimension. Totally, totally fair, India. <laughs> Do you guys have big Dunsparrow energy checking in? No. No. Yeah, both really both Bridgeburner sisters in this book so far are fuck-ups, and I'm good. 
Whoa. Yeah, I said it. Quick Ben's sister and Whiskey Jack's sister are not great yet. Whoa. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, <laughs> you'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, we'll burn that. We'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Hey, wow. like the bridge burners. It's a Malazan <laughs> joke. It's a Malazan show. Hey. All right. So let's keep cooking. So I got to say, here's the here was hot take out of PB. OK. I really enjoyed all the Karsa scenes this week. Wow. <laughs> I really liked like about I, it. I really liked his conversation with Samar. I found that this conversation here. Um, I think sometimes the civilization stuff doesn't always hit with me. Mm-hmm. I think this stuff hit. Talking about the moon hit. Karsa thinking about his past hit. And then, oh, that's later on. But the scene where he meets all the Eater is like fucking cool. Yeah. So... I think both scenes hit for me in a major way. And I, uh, I, I had a frightening thought. I was reading these scenes this week. I was like, Oh no. A frightening <laughs> thought. Am I enjoying Carsa Orlon now? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Have I changed? You know? Oh, that's so, a beautiful thing. Like Carsa, you've changed. Yes. Yeah. Has Carsa changed that much? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Well, I've certainly changed, but, uh, uh, I think maybe you like how much shit Samar Dev gives him in these in these sections. Mm-hmm. She she really gives it to him. She does really lay into him, and she's wrong about some stuff, but she's not super wrong about some other. Like she's pretty dead on about some other stuff. Accurate, you know? yeah. yeah. But I think it's just it's just nice to hear somebody uh, be as hard opposite <laughs> as Carsa is. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and that's why I was telling you it was it was it's fun. you know of course I know all this stuff I can't tell you guys, but I always enjoy Carsa the most when he's around Sam Ardev. Mm. You know, this is, this is, I think, I think they're a great pairing and I think they counter each other so well. Yeah. And you, what, what, do, do you like these Carsa scenes? Yeah, I did. Um, I liked when Carsa was, actually I had to listen to it like four times, but eventually I, I came around to it when Carsa's like talking about his past and he's like, you know, I felt this way and now I want to go to my dad and say, I understand, dad. And mm-hmm. I want to go to my grandpa and I want to say nothing. <laughs> and I was like, fucking tight. We grow, we all grow up, you know, our parents teach us one thing. Our grandparents teach us another thing. And eventually we make our own decisions. Yeah, but most of us don't have grandparents who are like, slaughter the children. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, Apples and bananas, apples and oranges, but now apples and bananas for sure. I don't know, Josh. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have have grandparents that are like, things these days aren't like they used to be. If we just went back to the way stuff used to be, it'd be great. And I think that is just like an intense amplification of that thought. Yeah, that's true. My pop up, I got my birthday gift. My pop up include a gun and a knife when I was very young. Nice. Double down, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Then he let Um, me loose into the wild and said, "See ya." I'm sure he wishes he could have. <laughs> you wouldn't have grown up so soft. Yeah. And I will say to my father, forgive me, you were right to disbelieve. You were right to despise the laws that chained us. And to my grandfather, I shall say nothing at all. He will say nothing. He has nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah, so I really like that. I do think that it was like a little moment, a little... I mean, we already... It's every. We already knew it. We already knew he felt this way, but it was nice, you know, for him and Sam, Mar, Sammy mm-hmm. to have that conversation, I think. Um, but I'm like so sick of him, like going away for like 
the day and then coming back like uh got away or got away uh, got away again the white whale <laughs> mm-hmm. i do like how um samar was like oh so you're gonna go back and like apologize and he's like well no that would be weak yeah, uh, and she's like, okay. I, I okay. actually wanted to read that quote because okay. I think it's I think it's more interesting than you let it on. I feel sure. Well, it depends so which part you're reading. She asks, "Have you a wife in your tribe? Mm. I have victims, no wives. A brutal omission." She reflected. Do you intend reparation? That would be seen as weakness. Then the chains still bind you. There was a Nathi settlement beside a lake where the Nathi had made slaves of my people. Each night, after hauling nets on the lake, those slaves were all shackled to a single chain. Not a single tebler so bound could break the chain. Together, their strengths and wills combined, no chain could have held them. So for all your claims of returning to your people and shattering all that they believe, you will in truth need their help to manage such a thing. It sounds as if it is not just your father from whom you require forgiveness, Karsa Orlong. I shall take what I require. Which... I think that's really great. I think that's a really interesting oh, yeah. exchange, you know? Mm-hmm. I like to... I don't know what exactly they were talking about. I think I forgot. But um, sometimes I think Samar is a little holier than thou. Yeah. And I get it. I totally get it. But Definitely a sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And I like when Carso was just like, girl, you don't get it. This is not the normal world. We're not doing normal people things. We are. We are animals in this forest. And... Telling her, you know, like, people have been following us. These bears have been following us three times because they're quiet and we're loud as fuck. And <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's not, I, I just like, at some point, she needs to just like calm down a little bit and let Carsa be Carsa. And I like Carsa kind of. I think that they school each other. Yeah. In a good well, way. They're like, they're like trading jabs. And I think what you're saying about her being a little holier than now is because like she is in some ways representing civilization or arguing on behalf of it. Mm-hmm. And she's like sometimes like, yo, Carsa, you dumb oaf. You're not as like civilized and bright as I am, you yeah. know, yeah. which to be fair, it's I fact. feel is sometimes true. No, it's know? always true. Yeah. But then Carsa sometimes is like, yeah, but like, I don't know. Think about how the, the tribal and, you know, I don't know or whatever. I don't know. He's, he's making a different appeal. I, I, just that's think, the, I didn't phrase it well, but. No, you phrased it better than I did, honestly. And uh, yeah, that's what I mean. And also, who's like so excited for Carson and Samar to get married? <laughs> you think they're going to you think they're going to get married? That's my new hot take. Really? That wasn't even on my radar, honestly. It wasn't on mine either until this one second. But, you know, mm. it's what I what I look for in these books. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm manifesting it. So, Anj, do you really think he's rejecting the idea of reparations? Um, I mean, kind of. I think he just wants to, like, go back, like, say, tell his dad he was right, and then tell everybody, like, all right, time to time to get everything in shape. We got to we got to we got to change things up around here and then not really, like, acknowledge anything that he did in his past. Hmm. That's that's kind of what it felt like to me when he says, I will take what I require. It's just like, I'm just going to do and tell people like, hey, this is how we should be instead. I'm not sorry for what I did in the past. That's just how we were. But now we shouldn't be like that, which in a way is good. But also, I don't know, say sorry. <laughs> yeah. In all fairness, guilt is a useless emotion. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Josh, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Josh definitely has a ton of feelings about this subject. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. 
I guess I feel I, I uh, AJ. I think you said it well. I think what the, the his last line there about like I'll take what I require is is like really complicates the conversation in a way, in yeah. a good way. I think. Yeah. But I think he's definitely in some way acknowledging he did wrong, but is like, hey, isn't the real problem here these greater structures and for systems sh- that sure, like are sure. holding us down? Yeah. Which is true. Right. And it's like, cool, let's break those chains, let's like change the systems, you right, know. Right. But you still like, did are we do talking those about things. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but like also you did it, so we should talk about your personal accountability right. as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's a couple of times throughout these chapters where Carso says something, and the person he's talking to is just like, "Ah, oh, you're still chained up." Then, <laughs> like, he's like, "I'm free yeah. of these chains," and then says something else, and they're like, "Oh, so you're like super not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like very much not though." Yeah. Like when, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But listen, we should talk about the second Carsa scene later. I yeah. think that's a that's a fun little yeah. that's a fun little ditty. So, uh, Josh, that's my name. Tell me your hot take. Where are you at with this huge Mapo Trail flashback? Absolutely loved it. One, I knew you were gonna love 1, it. I knew percent. you were gonna love it. <laughs> it was so good. And first off like i i loved the dumb characterization that like everyone gave that guy of like oh he's quiet because he has nothing smart to say and then oh what's that it turns out it's because he's actually a military genius like i i i just thought it was so goofy and and cool and i loved the fight scene uh like like the scene of how the battle unfolded that was really well done and then uh and then erickson was like Okay, and I know you all figured out that this is an allegory for the United States treatment of its Native American population. So now I'm going to really hammer it home. And I hadn't really felt that vibe. And then I was like, oh, okay, Steve. Okay, Steve, I get it now. Uh, it was because I'm, I'm reading some Westerns that my pup-up gave me uh, just to be hmm. a good grandson. You said he was like a big Western fan. Huge Western fan. I'm reading Hondo by Louis L'Amour right now. Hondo. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. But like, so I, I have a lot of those kinds of like things in my mind when I read that because I don't like to read it from the perspective of white Josh Baker that knows jack shit about anything. I try to like think about these things as I read those books. Uh, and so as soon as he was like, and then they signed the treaties, but the treaties of course did all this bad shit and then there was bad faith involved and then the trail were wiped out. I was like, ah, cool. We did it again, humans. <laughs> Crushed it. <laughs> mm. Uh also, we we have never heard of this country before today, mm-hmm. and they are now sure. popping up all over the place. What what like yeah. mm-hmm. we? I feel like Steve expands his world in leaps and bounds. Sometimes, you know what I mean. Like we, we hear about the same few places, and then all of a sudden he's like, ah, "But there's also," and then like eight new names pop up that are like a stone's throw away like how close are these places that we can get there i think they're all connected by land too but we never hear about them because i think mm-hmm. mapo has said before that the trail come from like beyond the jagodon or something and if they were from over there and that's where this battle took place then this other random ass country is on the same continent it's just I, we don't we never see it on maps i don't know it really caught me off guard to know that there's like that much more potentially of seven cities and I guess maybe it's not the same. I look at the map and it says Nemel left. But also like the Jagodon is just kind of there. Like there's no end to it on this map. So we actually don't know if it can be reached there by land. That classic cardinal direction left. Yeah. <laughs> so Mappo's continuing through the swamp with a scar on. He's like, am I being delayed? Is there like, mm-hmm. what's the rub? You know, <laughs> and then he finds and he meets Spite. 
uh, and they get like they get on a boat and she's all whatever. Inge, what's your impression of Sister Spite here? Um, I was trying to remember where I heard of her before, but she's in the prologue. Yeah, she's Lady Envy's sister. Yeah, in the uh, prologue, she's a dragon, right, or something. She's got scales. She turns into a dragon. Yeah, and flies she, away. Yeah, and she helps yeah, them yeah, release yeah. Station of Brawl. Yeah, and leaves everyone and then, to die. Exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. She makes the deal so, with Dejan. So, what do you think, Inge? Would you have gotten on the boat with her? Yes. Yeah, me too. Hundred percent. Definitely. Hundred percent. No yeah. doubt. I'm in a swamp with a scarl pust. I roll up. She's there on the boat. Please, baby, it's a gimme. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know? sure. Absolutely, it is. We've been walking three yeah. days in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Get me but on that fucking is boat. Is it the wrong direction if it took us here? Wow. Wow. Ooh. That's that's deep. Mm. Yeah, that's a Do you know what? Can we get that on a tie-dye t-shirt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny as hell, PB. <laughs> and uh, AJ, the last sequence here, uh, a young boy yeah. kind of joins the Fallen, gets named Crocus, kind of worships Fallison. What do, what do you make of this kind of dreamy-like cut yeah. to, you know? Um, I... I lo- <laughs> I loved Josh and India are both giving emphatic disapprovals. Um, <laughs> I loved the the scene with the kid, just like getting that. Like Steve has done that a few times throughout the rest of the other books, where it's just like we get this unnamed character who like goes through something, and then at the end of that section, like is woven into the main thread. Sure, sure. Um, so like I knew as soon as we started that part, I was like, okay, well I know exactly what's going to happen here. Um, yeah, yeah. And then it, and then it did happen. Um, but it was interesting to see, like, to see the plague because we haven't really seen it at this point. Um, and sure. to see, like, a carrier is just a person with like swollen joints, and then they give off like a spore or something, which just just awful, really just terrible stuff. Yeah, you. D- I I've mentioned I how much <coughs> I'm not enjoying reading it, and that climaxed this week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another scene later on where I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> this sucks to read about. Yeah. Just a lot of plague imagery that's just not... A lot of, like, it's hard to breathe and, like, oh, man. Anyway, um, so I, I loved that part of it. And then we get to Felison and um, what's-his-name is describing to her, like... Kulat. Oh, he's a... Kulat, yes, thank you, is describing, like, ah, oh, he's he's a carrier, here's this thing. Um, and this is where this part lost me because she's just, like cool with it now yes yes oh my god yes, yes. it was like it, it just felt and i don't know if or think that this is related but the timing was just weird because it was like oh she's horny now and then like a paragraph later was like and also she's in it and, and she's like ready to kill people and I'm like okay also, well this feels like a weird admonishment of like like horny women she <laughs> like, was very clinically horny it is described as her followers had satiated all of her needs except her sexual and it's like that it just was a weird sentence to me i did not like reading it i absolutely agree it's weird did not i I feel the same yeah i i mean i don't know i i I liked reading it or not liked reading it's just like that is like you know biology or whatever but like it was just like felt like a weird moment for that it just felt like this all happened it just felt like this all happened really fast Mm -hmm. um and like i don't there hasn't been that much time like she found kulat last chapter right like yeah. They haven't been together that long. It's been in time. Fairness. It's been like a couple mm. days, if that. But in fairness, like, I understand getting kidnapped and being like, whoa, what the fuck? And then getting there and then being like, no, you're our queen. And then being like, oh, so I yeah. don't have to walk in the desert with. <laughs> yeah, 
that's all these true. people and, and just I guess, get eaten by flies. Yeah, and <gasps> I guess like earlier in the in the book, we were setting up Felis and Younger being like, like, what am I? Like, what am I doing here? Like, what's my purpose or whatever? Um, like when she was just kind of mirroring, um, Lara. mirroring Scalara, right? Yeah, she didn't really like have her own thing. And she is still young, so you know it is. But like, I think it makes sense that she's like comfortable now and just kind of ready to go. I, I, I recant my statement. You recant your statement. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's like. I agree. It somewhat happens pretty fast, considering where she was like four chapters ago. I not not four, like five, six chapters ago. But you also. Know? I mean, wh- where did she start here? Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think she's a character we don't know a ton about compared to some other characters, you know? True, true. Agreed. But, well, listen, AJ, unless you have anything else to add. No. <laughs> I think we should thank our sponsors on Patreon. Yes, let's do that. Uh, before we thank our patrons, I just got a frantic call from my boss. I have to go into work, so uh, I'm going to hop out for the rest of the episode, and maybe I'll give some thoughts in my outro at the end of the episode. Uh, meanwhile, you three have fun. Thank you to all our patrons. Uh, TTYL. Thanks for being here, buddy. We'll miss you. Bye, everyone. We will miss you. And to thank our patrons, we just want to thank Jeff, Kyson, and Sam. Thanks so much for supporting us on Patreon. It means a lot. It makes the show much more sustainable to make. Thank you. On with the show. Chapter 15. Perrin meets Noto Boyle, a cutter and former priest to Salil. The cutter has been taking care of Dujek. They speak of the High Fist's health, and he recruits Noto Boyle to come with him to assault the temple. Tarahaval Adelfat is in Palaos Temple, trapped. She remembers hunting her brother, Quickben. Bridfox sorts coins in the room, and they speak about Palaos and Shaik rising again. Tarahaval recalls a dream Quickben had as a child. Fiddler meets with Quickben and Kalam. Using dolls, they perform a ritual. They see a girl related to Quickben and Shadow Throne. Quickben senses the heiress within bottle. Nearby, Apshlar was watching from the dark, remembering Tarahaval's name from the member's list. She begins to shadow dance. Telarest and Kirtle decide to act. Quickben sets out to meet Shadow Throne, and Fiddler has a bad feeling about it. Perrin and Noto Boyle enter the city. They meet a young girl chosen by Salil. Long ago, she was saved by a Malazan. The girl offers to lead them to safety and away from a broken-faced man. Heron sends Noto Boyle with her and goes out on his own. Noto Boyle goes with the girl, ruining Perrin and Salil. Perrin encounters the mob. It is led by a man named Brokeface. They threaten each other, and Brokeface agrees to take Perrin to Palail. Tarahaval waits, reflecting on gods and their followers' cruelty. She is then chosen to be Palail's new lover, but Perrin arrives. He approaches the goddess. Palail sits on a throne of twisted bones, and Perrin throws the shard of Ota Terrell at her. It lodges in her hand, causing her to start to lose power. Quickben speaks with Shadowthorn about his sister and family ties. Quickben agrees to a debt to the god and then assent to his sister. 
Shadowthrone snips some nearby threads of magic. Confusing Bottle. Now Bottle does not know where Quick is. Captain Sweet Creek and Herlockle are startled by seeing the Hounds of Shadows, and not too far behind them, the Daragoth. Perrin warns Paleo this is a consequence of interfering in the lives of mortals. Brokeface feels alone, thinking back to when he was mutilated and mourning the loss of Paleo's gift. He's furious with Perrin. Quickben arrives in the throne room. He can't use his magic because of the Ototero, so he must physically leave the room. He hears the hounds coming. Perrin exits the temple, dodging the hounds of shadow. He finds Noto and the girl. Quickben drags his sister out of the temple, avoiding the Hounds of Shadows. Brokeface steps into the path of the Hounds of Shadow, but is merely tossed aside. Seeing Absalar, he follows her. Absalar commands him to go to Salil's tempo. The Daragoth arrive. Brokeface goes and helps Quick with his sister. Pilil is trapped. She feels the crippled god's power withdrawn. She thinks about mortals and disease. The Hounds of Shadow leave Dejim Abral's last body, and the Daragoth come and kill both Khalil and Dejim. Brokevace convinces Quickben to bring Torah Haval to Solio's temple. At the temple, Perrin summons the goddess. She is annoyed at first, but comes to understand. She starts healing and gives Noto power to take beyond the city. She talks to Perrin of his suffering. Quickben then arrives, and they leave his sister at the temple. Quickben talks with Perrin about whether Tavor can be trusted. He leaves them before his sister awakes. Quickben returns to camp where Bottle is. He finds them confronting Absalar, but he stops them. Quickben thinks Absalar wants to die. Cotillion and Shadowthrone meet aside the Hounds of Shadow. Shadowthrone says he nearly had Quickben, but Cotillion stopped him. Perrin arrives back to camp. He is told he will be the new High Fist. Dujic is dead. Man, total energy shift. No AJ in the room. Mm-hmm. You know? Look at us, the three amigos, three musketeers. Nothing? You know, I don't know if I'm hungry or if I'm just missing aj but i think i'm hungry i'm hungry too i want to i got so let's get this show on the road yeah i'm making some french <laughs> okay. toast after this let's fucking go yo bro my <laughs> i'm gonna make french toast tomorrow literally i was walk, i was walking around it's like i haven't had french toast in forever i'm gonna fucking eat it tomorrow so fucking same bro yeah excited that's All so right, cute some, you guys are on the same i bought some what? french bread last night because i was making dinner for the girlfriend's parents and uh sorry 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 freedom toast i don't i don't want to give the french any credit you're right but i, I bought some french bread to make some garlic bread and i only i used to have to look and i was like this good ass french toast in the morning freedom toast sorry freedom freedom toast god bless only america all right let's let's get let's kick into it so chapter 15 i gotta say when i re- think back on reading this book this is one of the chapters that really stood out to me from my first read of this book and i remember it absolutely ripping and uh had a great time this time through so didn't disappoint didn't disappoint did you guys have fun i feel like it's like a like a big you know it's a fun actiony chapter i love you know? it chapter this was 14 15 and 16 so yeah so 14 sucked it made me wow question everything about this book and what i'm doing here and why i'm doing here but 15 
Yeah, 15, I'm still questioning it, but it's it it, it wasn't as bad. But 16. <laughs> it, uh, All right. So I don't I see the story. But the story wasn't going where I thought it was going. Yeah. You know, honestly, <laughs> it's just not doing it for me lately. It's just not. But whatever. I digress. Let's get let's, started. Let's touch. Let's touch on that in a sec. But so Josh, 15 starts and we meet this Noto Boyle character who's going to be Perrin's kind of companion for this. And uh, then we get thrust full into like, hey, Quick Ben has a sister. She's really important in this chapter. What did, what did you make of this Noto Boyle introduction? We meet the sister. We meet the girl on the street. And then we meet Rotface. No, that's a raid boss. Brokeface. Yeah, so a lot of characters just get thrown into. I do I do want to say Steve does a good job of like, so I, I know a lot of people have said he doesn't do characterization well, which I think is dumb and wrong. But I think something he does really well is like when you need a quick character, he's like really good at giving just enough to kind of get you to be like, got it, get this dude now. So like Noto Boyle is a cutter who has just ruined his fucking mouth with a fishbone and can't heal anybody, but still tries his best. And I was like, got it. I like this character already. Or I hate him. I, I don't like know. Dota Boyle. Yeah. Like yeah. weird weird guy, pretty much, is how, what I got out of that. But I was like, but I get it. Makes sense now. So I really loved like the little interactions where and then he go for we didn't even you didn't even write about it in here, but uh he goes in and like sees Dude Jack and he's like, he's not gonna live the night. And then the one captain like knows he's not captain kindly, and I was like, ugh. That's probably not good. And as we find out later, for Parent, not good that she knew he wasn't Captain Kindly, I guess. Yeah, um, right. But I liked all that stuff. It was great. Loved Nodo's reaction to being told, no, you're coming with me. Yeah, yeah. Parent, by the way, is getting bolder and bolder with his plays. Like, I thought Trigal Trade Guild going into unknown Warrens to fight scaled bears was dumb. But, like, literally challenging a god with a piece of he- sword... And the fucking walks in there, throws the sword, like, and that's why I don't fuck with the mortals, baby. Yeah. It's like, where's this guy yeah, then? Yeah, you know? Perrin is hard as shit now. Um, <laughs> loved that. Now, a couple, couple questions, Pete, and I, I'm sure these will never get answered, but I feel like there are breadcrumbs there. The, the little girl was saved by Fiddler, and Brokeface was bit by Fiddler's horse, right? Bada bing, he caught it. Boom. Because I was like. When Brokeface came out and they were someone mentioned that it was a horse, I was like, there's something there. And then he has his little flashback and he says that Grawl horse. And I was like, oh, that's Fiddler in big book two. He's got that Grawl horse and he bites the dude's face. That's fun. Inge, did you catch that in the girl thing? Because the no. girl Fiddler saves no. in, in Deadass Gates. Yeah. It's like such a small thing that I was like, this will never get revealed. It's definitely just like a, hey, did you read the books recently? How's your how's your memory of unimportant things? <laughs> Yeah, That's it's definitely, I, I, 100%, I did not really put it together until I kind of read it this time, and then I was making the show notes, and I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, I Josh. See. Good job. But, uh, I, yeah, thank you. But, uh, you I really liked it, and Torah, I just, look, if you need me to remember something that is super inconsequential to my daily life, I have got that locked the fuck down. But if you're like, Josh, it's vitally important that you do this one thing three minutes from now guaranteed i will not do it not happen. that's how i feel about obscure movie trivia yeah i just know some of the dumbest shit mm-hmm. and i can't do other stuff like i can do this you know? but like a month ago i almost burnt my house down making simple syrup because i just forgot that i was making simple syrup <laughs> yeah 
So, Inge, what did you uh, make of uh, the introduction of one Toravala Delafat? Okay. Interesting enough, I was more interested in the fact that... So, first of all, weird. Who saw that coming? Not me. No, secondly, yeah. mm-hmm. mostly, she's just kind of talking about Quickben and how he's actually like this evil motherfucker ever since he was a child. Mm. And that to me, makes no sense. Because I think Quick Ben's a real cool guy and not evil. Anyway, all that to say, she's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. I guess it's interesting. I wasn't like, nec- I was just, it was, it made, it, it's, it's like everything. You know, someone comes in and you're like, who the fuck are you? They don't tell you. And then eventually it's like, that's Quick Ben's sister. And you're like, what the fuck? So... I guess I'm still kind of sitting with that a little bit, you know? I do it good just saying it is another marble in the what's going on with Quick Ben bit. Yeah. You know? It's like there are two things that I feel like happen all the time in different ways. One is what Josh said earlier. A random character, or was it AJ? A random character comes in and you have no idea who they are and then they're suddenly important to the story. Mm-hmm. And then also, like the quirky, weird sidekick that always comes in, which I would say is Noto. Boyle, yeah. Sure. So just, you know, picking up on my little my little things here. Um, but I don't really have any particular feelings about that. In from this point of the story, I was confused. I d- and I didn't I, I really am interested. I don't really I didn't understand why she got stuck with polio in trapped there and I didn't know who she was so those are my first thoughts finding out she was quick ben's sister was weird but still not le- like it was just like what so yeah what happened um i will say i guess polio chooses her to be polio's her lover so i think we can confirm that polio is a member of the lgbtq community so we hesitantly shout out we, to polio do you guys have do you guys have gender in malazan do they have explicit gender or do oh, they just or do they just like interesting question do they, like do they just show as a particular like manifestation of their energy and also i'm not really into polio because polio doesn't discriminate men women fair and children and that's oh, oh yeah yeah polio is not cool polio is not cool. honestly that one snuck by me and i was i was mostly just wanting to make that joke was mostly was where my energy was at and I regret the joke. We, I'm actually going to withdraw the invitation to the community. Um, fair, fair, uh, fair. Formally, formally declined. Um, I was, I did, I was not into it in the first place. But uh, anywho's, um, it's an interesting question, Josh, that you mentioned. I don't really know the answer, and I almost want to talk about it more since I think it's in the next chapter, or maybe it's, I maybe Spite. No, it's when Spite's talking to Mappo on the boat. They have a big conversation about. Oh like, God, that went over my head in many ways. Gods, like what are gods? What are worshiping? What are gods? Ba, ba, da, ba. It's like that song, you know. It's really good. It's like our gods. I don't know, man. I think gods are great to think about in this world, you know. Um, any who's let's, let's stay in this chapter. So they're in the city and, uh, quick Ben shows up and quick Ben goes to shadow throne and he's like, bro, send me in. I got to get in there. And then he ends up with his debt to shadow throne. That was a choice. Um, so Josh, what do you think of that choice? And what do you think of quick Ben's like arrival in the chapter? Oh man. So 
the the string thing was cool we've actually seen that i think in memories of ice and i remember then being yeah like, i think it was really that sick. i kind of forget when um but. i forgot that bottle had the heiress i i know it was like something about that had been seen or in an earlier chapter of this book or the fourth book i forget but i'd completely there's been there's been some ground completely play. had forgotten that but and that's cool enough but then in the throne room i had to tell you i was so on edge the whole time because like he comes in and he's like, something's wrong. There's something quite not quite right with Shadow Throne. And I was like, if Quick Ben feels that, it's probably accurate. But then Cotillion comes in quick soon after and like doesn't seem to think anything's wrong. I don't know. I- I'm realizing more and more in this book that Cotillion is is our kind of like uh is our POV and and Shadow Throne isn't. And and that I'm realizing more and more that like Shadowthorn's a real big question mark for me. I do not know if he is someone that I would call like on the side of good. I, there are big air quotations there, folks. Because like, what is, I guess the good side is the people not with the the crippled god, but that's really painting some broad strokes. Because I think there's many factions within that group of people. Sure. So I'm struggling to know if I want to like how I feel about Shadowthorn. This chapter definitely makes it feel like he can't be trusted in any way. So. I, I just found it really interesting, though, because I, I had kind of written the two of them off as a pair, like, perfectly in sync. And then in this part of the book, I was like, uh, maybe they aren't, like, you know, like, they're definitely boys, you know, like, and they're partners, but they pro- they maybe aren't working towards exactly the same goal. Or, an, or at least they're not working to it in the same way, which I found interesting. Yeah, and then later on, of course, Absalar's there doing her own thing mm-hmm. for Cotillion in a way. And then we have that final conversation at the end of the chapter where Shadow Throne and Cotillion are like, I don't know, jamming and they're talk- and talking next to the totally fucked up dogs. Yeah. Um, Inge, what, did you, what, do you, what do you make of those two? You know, they both make an appearance in this chapter. Um, I agree with Josh. I, oh, I also thought the same thing. I thought they were working toward the same exact goal. But to hear, like, I think it was Shadowthorn who was like, fucked me up, Cotillion, or the other mm-hmm. way around. Um, but sure. what did he mean? Like, what is he, like, what is he trying to do to Quick Ben? Is he, are they, are they, is he trying, is, does he want to, like, what is the, or do we just not know? Do I just not know? It, I mean, it feels like he wants to kill Quick Ben. Right. But it's, but so, like, but we're, we know that, you know, the bridge burners were very important to the Emperor. Right. Like we know and um, and we know that when the emperor died, like the bridge burners were like on top, like to the point that Whiskey Jack was like people thought he would be the emperor. And then he kind of just like vanished to avoid that or something weird. So we know all that. And but what we don't really know is that time period in between the first book and the emperor becoming Shadow Throne, because somehow in that time, Quick Ben did a lot of stuff with Shadow Throne and but but also maybe double crossed him a bunch or tricked him a bunch. That's like that weird time we don't know about. And it really confuses me how he did that much in such a short amount of time. Because how long has Lacine even been Empress? Uh I don't know. I mean Lacine ascends in Gardens of the Moon or around the start of it? I, I kind of uh, forget that. Oh wait, you know what? It's at the no, I can't remember because the beginning. I think because well, here's no, the thing: no, no. So, parents in a child in the beginning. Parents a child in the prologue. Yeah. she has just ascended, and then there's a time skip to chapter one where he's like yeah. an older man, like a young man. Yeah, he's like I mean, so it's been like 15 years. So in those 15 years, Quick Ben has gone from like good, reliable sorcerer of the emperor to 
the you know Shadow Throne wanting him dead. So it doesn't. I don't really get it, but I'm sure Selwyn does. Mayhaps, mayhaps, mayhaps. I thought the, and the broke face thing. I mean, I kind of enjoy that these characters make a reprise, but I don't. I don't know if the broke face part of it hit me super hard. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting to him to play show up and play heel for just this chapter. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, so then we also have this uh, Polil. We have a short scene from her point of view. She feels the crippled's god leaving her. And then, uh, of course, Perrin's already been here. We mention it. Throws the Odatarl shard into her. She's totally trapped. And then the Hounds of Shadow lead the Daragoth there. Daragoth totally fuck her up. Kill Dejim Nabral. It's a one-two punch. And then Perrin skips on out of there. And, and he starts heading towards Solil's temple. Um, and I found a lot of this action really fun. And I just love, I love when the big dogs get to be big dogs, mm-hmm. you know, they don't always do. And sometimes they're just hanging out, but here just the big dogs are all hanging out being just doggos, you know, big and dogs. you love to see it. Um, and I love just imagining the big doggos. It's a fun time for me. Okay. I've never heard you say the my... word dog and doggo that many times in one go. Doggos. Especially seeing um, as you used to hate dogs. So it's, it's really refreshing. It's been a big turnaround for me. So then, uh, at the end of the chapter, Perrin summons Solil, Polil's sister, the goddess of healing, and they kind of convene. Solil gives Noda Boyle some power, and then Perrin and Quickben have this whole conversation about whether Tavor can be trusted. India, what did you make of Perrin talking about uh, his sister and this conversation with the goddess Solil? I feel like Perrin is very consistent in how he feels about his sister, and... Uh, almost respectful of it, too. Like, he's never like, no, she's such a bitch. Like, Bellison is like, fuck my sister back in the day. But Perrin is very, like, understanding of her, uh, I feel like of her mindset on the whole thing. Like, he he's never, like, he's very, like, like, well, she's very in the interest of herself and her soldiers as one. There There is no difference. Like, she, she will just do what's best for, you know, whatever. I don't really know. But... He's always very, like, I feel, like, passive about it. Like, he doesn't really have any real... He's coming at it from, like, a wise perspective, I feel. I don't know. I think it's interesting mm-hmm. um, when he talks about Tavor and mm-hmm. how he talks about her. Yeah, I agree. It feels like he, he speaks about with her about with respect, I feel. Yeah. Like, and also, I feel like it's not very... But, like, it's also, like, very, like, not personal, like, like it's, I agree with that. It, it's not like, oh, my sister, the light of my life, you know. Right. Like, it's just very, like, from, like, a distance of somebody that's looking at it from, like, a very non-personal perspective. So I think that's interesting, but also strange. But it makes sense. Um, and that's how I, that's, I don't know, that was my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Quick Ben, t- after talking with Perrin, returns to the camp kind of stops them they were like kind of beefing with absalar why do you laugh because they're just like everybody's just so quick to like like it's like give absalar a freaking break like she was like not herself but she was just recklessly killing everyone Mm -hmm. you know i like to think that if i was possessed by a god my friends would be a little bit more forgiving of me afterwards you know right i do get though how if you were like yeah so just by the way, the last month or so is possessed by a god. I, I, you can't hold me accountable for that stuff. That you wasn't me. You literally can't. Though. You can't. It's not like when I was drunk, I did this. Like, no, it was exactly. I literally, yeah. yeah, 
you're making the choice to get white girl wasted. I'm not making the choice to have, you know, a god come into my body. I'm just saying I get how if you told me that, like, if you spent a month being a dick to me and then you're like, I'm sorry, a god was in me. Like, I, I could get how it still just would take a second for, you know, I get it, you know? Yeah, but like, it's not like they don't know. And well, I'll just say Absol are still at least a little sketchy. She's not a person without a little bit of sketch on her. You well, know? I mean, would you be sketchy? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, she is you a little sketchy. That is fair. That is fair. I mean, they're all sketchy. Quick Ben's fucking sketchy. Well, that's true. Quick Ben's definitely got sketchy. Yeah. Energy. And they oh, have just yeah. like blind loyalty. Quick Ben's gone. No idea where he is. Can't track him. And they're like, nah, he's fine. Come. You killed Quick Ben, Absalar. Like, no. In fact, I was saving his sister. You're welcome. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, she like maybe would have killed Quick Ben, though. So like. No, she was yeah, not, not going to. So then Josh <laughs> Perrin returns to camp. Dujek has died. I gotta say, I, I was super bummed. I was super bummed. I feel like when I read the for series for the first time, Dujek was this huge character in my head, loomed really big in my mind. And the fact that he dies in such a soft and just like quiet, unceremonious way. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a huge fucking bummer. There is no two ways around it. Um, I am, oh, go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead, India. I am just gonna say, Dujek technically did get his ceremonious death. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I and was, so, yeah. Honestly, if I were do, actually, no, it's not like it wasn't a painful death. It was still pretty fucked up. But, uh, you know, it's better than being crucified. So that's true. Um, I, I mean, I guess if getting I had your eyeballs to eaten out by the birds. Mm, she's got you there. Anyway, Pete. also quickly. Um, we don't even know. I'm not even going to let this, I'm not even going to go into Dujek is like dead dead until I know for a fact that in the next book, his ghost isn't going to be like, what's up? <laughs> that is true. So, his ghost is going to appear at the bridge burners and now he'll be leading that giant dead army or some bullshit. Exactly. And they'll have two arms. Dujek, two arms in the house. Yeah. He actually comes back. He has a robot arm now. That's his thing. Yeah. He got really so. into mecha anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I felt really bad, but also honestly, in some ways relieved um, because whenever the gods say some like weird cryptic shit, I'm always like really worried. So she was like, you'll be the one suffering or some bullshit. That's what Salil said to Perrin. And I was like, yeah, yeah. are you going to, is he going to feel a lot of pain or something weird? And then no, he's just the high fist, um, which I don't think is as bad as he's making it out to be. And we now have the potential for two empire armies led by the parents and the world's most awkward family reunion, which I have to yeah. hope happens someday in these in this. They series. do. I forget if they say it in this chapter, or the next chapter. They're like, oh, it's funny that. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I know. I was like, oh, that's I want to I want them to meet really badly. <sighs> I wonder what AJ thinks about all this. Cue up AJ's uh, later recorded segment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Here, let's give yeah. some quick responses to make it easier when he does. Uh, thanks, Josh. Uh, so I actually, I did have a little quote from Palil here that I wanted to read that I thought oh, was very wow. good. Uh, we briefly get Palil's POV before she's killed, uh, and she's talking about how the plague was meant to heal Burn, uh, and her final thought is, only humans center salvation solely upon themselves. Huh. 
I just thought that was a great line. Uh, Interesting. About how humanity has a hard time seeing past itself sometimes, stuff like that. I didn't think of it that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it kind of gets me thinking in general, you know, about the human condition as a whole. Really? Uh, like, what does it mean to consider what's like best? H.A., for- that's stupid. All right. All right. Fine. Um, uh, oh, uh, Quick Ben owes Shadow Throne a debt now, which like. Get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I guess the alternative would be quick not saving a sister and telling Shadow Throne like, nah, fuck her. It's cool. <laughs> You're a piece of shit and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then I guess uh, I'm just sad about Dujek, obviously really wild. Like Josh said that it's just like I am dead now. Uh, I wish we could have gotten Perrin in there to like say goodbye. I want to kiss you on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or that. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I guess I'll just mix that in and post. <laughs> all it. right, AJ. So you can mix that all in and post. Yeah, that's what I said. Let's get on over to chapter <laughs> 16. <laughs> chapter 16. The 14th is boarding ships. They are to leave seven cities and return to Uta. Captain Kenneth is unsure why. Lassine says they will eventually be sent to Coral, but he does not believe her. Kenneth speaks with the other fists and the adjunct, but he is worried about the soldiers. They've lost contact with Dujek and Pearl is missing. The army's morale is holding on by a thread. Barathol, Shower, Cutter, and Scalara leave town. Cutter wants to take Haboric to the Jade Statue. The corpse's hands have turned into solid jade. Afterwards, Cutter starts to reminisce about his life in Darujistan, and Scalara says she would like to go with him. Maybe she could make a life there. Scalara thinks Cutter is lonely, and she thinks about her baby. Then she speaks briefly with Barathol. Ganath watches the sky where the Kachain Shamal Skykeep once was. She thinks about the dragon blood that had been spilled there. She thinks about Perrin, but is suddenly attacked and killed by short-tailed Kachain Naruk. At sea, Spite speaks with Mappo about gods, inequality, and the war between the gods. They are going to the Otatural Sea. The Imperial painter Ormal Gon paints. His toad criticizes him. Perrin considers what's to do with the army. Herlock says the soldiers will serve him regardless of what Lacine says. Perrin then sets out to find the painter Ormal Gon. He wants a new deck of dragons made. Karsa, Samar, and Boatfinder find corpses. Karsa then sets out. Samar finds Karsa fighting 50 or so Eater. Bodies scattered all around. Eater sorcery is tried on Karsa, but has no effect. Soon, however, the Eater use an interpreter to speak with them. The interpreter makes various offerings to Karsa asking when his vengeance will be satisfied. However, Karsa continues to refuse. Finally, the leader of these Eater offers that Karsa could duel the Tist Eater Emperor. An emperor has killed thousands. Karsa agrees. 
Tenob speaks to Tamul about the Wiccans return to Unta. Tamul says he feels shame, then he wanted to die against the enemies of Coltane. A shame of defeat, and he thinks returning home will break them. Dogs bark and troops draw near the ships. Tavor speaks about their delayed departure, and then finds the survivors from Yucatan. Faradan Sort surrenders herself and asks mercy for sin. Fiddler says if she hangs Sort for desertion, they'll have to hang everyone. Tavor welcomes them as bone hunters in truth. So Josh, the 14th is getting ready to leave. They're boarding ships. They're headed home, and then they're going to go to Coral. What do you think? The mor- the morale's low. Uh, it should be. They fucked up terribly. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, anytime people get on boats in, in books, I always get a little worried because, like, the sea is fickle. But uh, I don't know. It just kind of it just was a section. It wasn't anything too crazy for me. Although, thank God someone listened to Grub finally. Because uh, too, yeah. too often we're like, Oh, he's just a child. And it's like, children don't say that shit. Okay? Possessed people say that shit. Listen to this fucking person when they say wild stuff. Sure. So, and kind of doing it without even like, ooh, hemming and hawing about it. Just like, yeah, I'll just fucking delay. Like, easy. Um, I loved that. It was, I was like, thank goodness we finally have a sensible person. What did you make of that Kenneb is like sketched about Tavor in a way. I, why wouldn't you be sketched about Tavor in a way? She's always in her tent with Amber, which by the way, I who the fuck is that still? No. Correct. Right? Like that's got to be so it's got Amber has to be someone else that we know is important and and is just here as the concubine or whatever or whatever word she wants to use. Uh consort, I think. Concubine. Yeah, concubine's not the great word. I think it's consort. But anyway, like Tavor's just not in there nonstop fucking. Like, there's gotta be some weird reason that to Amber's always in there. So why wouldn't you be sketched out? Like, it makes total sense to me. And she's also talk about talk about welcome members of the community. Shout out, you know. Shout out. Shout out. Um. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Nope. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I get why everyone's sketched. I loved, I, I want to go back to it because uh, India mentioned it. The parents, uh, Ganoas's answer about his sister is just so spot on. Like she, I don't think she is human in the way that a lot of people are human. I don't know. She seems very like clinical. So I get mm. why that would be disconcerting if that was your leader. And also, um, where the hell is Pearl? Does anybody know? Did I miss it? Uh, no. He's gone. We don't know because no we, thought, we thought Pearl saved uh, Lestara Yil, but that was actually Cotillion who saved her. But we had all been like, it was probably Pearl yanking her into a warm, but it wasn't, and Pearl's just been gone since. He left He left um, after the battle because Lestara was gone. That's right. We did kind of hear that, but I don't think we saw it from his POV. Got it. So we cut to uh, the, the the crew. They're rolling through the desert. They're going to bring Haborg's hands or actual jade down. They're going to bring him to the statue. Mm-hmm. And they start talking about Darugistan. What did you make of these uh, these folks? Skalara is thinking, is like, ah, Time Cutter's just home. lonely. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll go to Darugistan. What do you think, Inch? 
I think that Scalara also kind of has no purpose without her crew. Like, where, where does she go? Where does Scalara go? So I think that now mm-hmm. um, only having... And, and Cutter, I think, aka Crocus, is kind of in the same boat. Like, they were all just a group of uh, misfits that came together, worked out, and now their group kind of, you know, fell apart. And it's... They don't really... They're not really sure what's next. Crocus put everything into taking care of his group failed yeah he didn't stand a chance though let's be real um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. failed spectacularly yeah absolutely absolutely it was an epic failure um and then didn't even die then only to survive this now it it, yeah he he, couldn't even fuck up correctly right then and and not to mention um first he lost absalar so i think that they're both just in like this really weird little boat of like what's next um so for scalara Mm -hmm. it makes sense to well let's just go back now and live start over together um because that's all i think that's all that they both really have right now i love this line i I agree with a a ton of what you said inch i thought it was great i I just wanted to read this line that really struck me it's uh scalar is thinking about him she thinks cutter was reaching out to the comfort of old memories suggesting to her that he was suffering from loneliness you know that's sad and it's like it is sad and uh I've certainly taken solace in old memories. You know, I feel like it's a pretty human thing. And I think it's, you can hear, I can hear the forlornness in his voice when he's talking about Darugistan, you know? Mm-hmm. The last time Especially things were really since, stable, you know? Yeah. And like, it's it's funny to, for him to think about that time, which we were reading him in that time. And it's not like he was like chilling out party no, zone, no. you know? That's when he loved that but woman. Chalice. Yeah, Chalice. Yeah, Chalice to Arl. Throwback. When he snuck into her bedroom casually. Yeah. Classic. Great. You know, as you Classic do. Crocus. <laughs> <laughs> the stakes were so low back then. There was just a jagged tyrant. Yeah. He was just yeah. a petty thief. Who was of indeterminate size. Maybe he was 80 feet tall. Maybe he was eight feet tall like every other jagged we've met. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think that's what's funny. I mean, you think you look back on that first book, the stakes are really, really low, you know? Yeah. It's like the Empire wants to control Darugistan, you know? Oh, there's this scene where Genath gets fucking Sia murdered. Yeah. Watch out. The tales are short. That was oh, like yeah, really yeah. unexpected. And <laughs> but that's it. But a boom. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that was with Perrin. Yeah. Yeah. See you. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh, I, you mentioned it was going over your head earlier. I thought this conversation between Mappo and Spite absolutely rips shredding electric guitar solo. Loved it all. Oh, yeah. Inge, what did you think of it? No, I want to know what, why. Please elaborate on why you feel so strongly, PB. I just, I just think it was a great conversation. I mean, I know it's kind of just like a, maybe a bit navel gazy about gods and stuff, you know? But I also think it's a conversation about how we construct power um, and how, I don't know, uh, it's just really good. Also, there's a lot of talk about War of the Gods, you know? Um, Any god talk is uh, so, so far over my head, it's not even. Let me read a long quote. Let me read a long quote that I liked. More often than not, of course, such inequity does exist, and it is the poison that breeds the darkest fruit. Mundane wealth is usually built upon bones, piled high and packed deep. 
Alas, the holders of that wealth misapprehend the nature of their reward and are so often blithely indifferent in their ostentatious display of their wealth. The misapprehension is this, that those who do not possess wealth all yearn to it, and so seek likeness, and this yearning occlides all feelings of resentment, exploitation, and most relevantly, injustice. To some extent they are right, but mostly they are woefully wrong. When wealth ascends to a point where the majority of the poor finally comprehend that it is, for them, unattainable, then all civility collapses and anarchy prevails. Now I was speaking of war among the gods. You know, and I think that's very, really strikes a bone in my body, you know, and I think, you know, wealth disparity is a huge issue in our time. And I just think when you talk about inequality and what that leads to, and you talk about war between the gods in that way, not in some sort of supernatural, fantastical sense, but as these conflicts between these larger ideals, that, I don't know, just really uh, rings in my gut. So really liked that scene. Mm -hmm. Josh... Any India? Any feeling about this conversation on the boat? Nothing to add, just that it was good. Yeah, I mean, I think thinking about like the war with the gods versus like normal people is just a little bit more. It's it's just definitely more like complex because God knows what they're even freaking doing. Like they fight in such a different way. We don't even know what's going on. We don't even know until after it happens that mm-hmm. it was like a plan to begin with. So. I don't know. I think it's it's definitely an interesting conversation when you think of it in that way, because what about like what is I don't even know what the what the war with the gods is about. But but yeah, when you look at it in that perspective, Peter, about like wealth disparity and I don't know, I just wonder, like, what is the disparity then between the gods that is causing this war? And will we find out? Mm-hmm. Um, Ange, I think to build on what you said, Mappo has this quote. He says, we are as the soil and the sea. Driven by unseen forces, forever in motion, even when we stand still. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think really hits me as it's like, man, our lives are totally fucked, totally shaped by these massive things that are just totally out of our control. And the idea that we are masters of our own fate, I think, is like such an ill-conceived egotistical notion. You know, I mean, fucking look at this pandemic that just... You know, talk about the thing that's out of our fucking control, you know? Mm-hmm. We are all just these tiny little specks on a large, on a, on a tiny little rock floating through space. All right, let's bring it back down to Earth. So that's right, baby, Josh. The painter's back. Croak, croak. There's a frog in the background. Painter comes back and he's going to make a new deck of dragons. Did you think he was going to make a return? I did not, but I, I should have known. I think they even mentioned him at one point. I forget, but... um. I think someone in this book had mentioned him, unless I'm thinking something else. But uh, I hate him. Uh, hate him so much, <laughs> and I hate his frog. And uh, in the third book, they were they were a nice relief in you know between uh, an army of people uh, eating other people and you know uh, talk being tortured. It was fun to just have like a nice little painter guy. But here, read the room. All right, Dujek's dead. I don't. This is not the time. Although the toad exactly calling out the three scenes was very funny. I did find that very good. 
I do think it's funny when he's like, uh, oh, he brings the he brings a critic with him everywhere. Yeah, that he was goes. funny. God, 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 yeah, it was a funny. Yeah, show. but um, um, I don't know. He just kind of was there. Uh, I mean, convenient that he's there so that he that Perrin. Why did Perrin need a new deck of dragons? Is it because he's been throwing cards down? Like he threw a card down to get Salil there, maybe? Hasn't really been talked about. Um, but you also hear that the army's like super into Perrin and they're gonna go with him. What'd you make of that? Uh. I'm I'm curious what the I love that we don't get to see it, but I'm so curious as a reader what the logs said about Perrin. Yeah, right. Like they're right there in front of him, and he's like, "I can't do it," and I'm like, "Fuck you! I want to know." Like, (laughs) it's not about you right now, Perrin. (laughs) It's about me, the reader. Yeah, but um, I I I mean, I did like it though. I thought it was good. Uh, All that. Isn't I thought that Lucian was dead? No, the Empress is alive. She had a... Kalam was trying to kill her in the second one, and she talked through that old lady. That yeah, we dead. haven't, yeah. Yeah, we haven't her. seen her since Perrin talked with her in the throne room in chapter, like, one of the first book. I think that's true. Yes, I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm mixing up some other things, but yeah. So, uh, Inch, we cut to Karsa, and there's this whole scene. We meet this interpreter, the Taxilian. There's all the Eater. They fight, and then it ends. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to go duel the Emperor. And is the Emperor who I think it is? It is who you think it is. Well, then I'm fascinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, I got to see what's going to I mean, what? What? Who well, would have thought? Who and we met it? someone from the from the last book, um, Hunrabi. We know Hunrabi. He's uh, the leader of that northern tribe, maybe, that did that liked Troll and then didn't like Troll. Yeah, it, it was a tribe they mentioned. I forget it because my brain's paper but it's like the it starts with an yeah, M. Maybe. yeah but they I, said the leader of it was like he they were talking to hanrabi and i was like oh we met him he's a bit of a fuck who's that blonde uh, girl should we know that do you know that india Taxilian. why do we why know who that know is that? peter is that a name i should remember from the last book i don't think you should know that okay is, okay is my feeling oh um, I, I go ahead I hope I didn't spoil that it is who it is. No, but we, it the is name that. was there, I think. I think we heard. No, I meant that the emperor is the person you're thinking it's of. It's Rulat. It has to be Rulat. Yeah, it is. It has I to just, be Rulat. Who else like, would it be? Okay, good. Um, I don't know. I, this is this is why I remember this part of the book so well. Because I think the last chapter ripped so hard. And then I remember reading this scene yeah. and it broke my brain. Yeah. Well, because like we we knew that the worlds were near each other because of troll, you know, existing on this con or in the in the fourth book, you know, and meeting some people. But sure, sure. I didn't think they would meet this fast. I I have so many thoughts about all of that. Number one, uh, loved Samar Dev's commentary on all of the language they were using. Um, like when sure. they said Prada and she was like, oh, that's some first emperor, first empire language. I've never heard it spoken before, but it's like a bastardization of it. Because we like sort of knew that there were first empire ties from last book. There was light talk of that. Um, and also, I don't know if you caught this, India, um, but this, uh, the, the, the Tisti Eater have taken on the Lether army structure. They took on all the all the terminology that um, that the Lether would have used, which is funny because like the Lether literally said in I can't remember who said it, but they were like, well, if they conquer us, the problem is they are going to like our civilization is going to infiltrate theirs and they're going to kind of like become 
more like us than they want to be. And like already we're seeing that apparently they're organizing their armies as the Lether would, which is crazy. That is interesting. It's a great catch. It's a great catch that. from yeah. you, Josh. Um, Inge, what did you make of this? What do you think of this idea? What did you think of making Carsa in this scene? Carsa is fearless and he just, he has no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I thought, it, I thought it was really interesting though. Um, I mean, it's kind of like what you expected, but not what you expected. Carsa, like Samar finding Carsa just slaughtering a bunch of people single-handedly. And then, um, uh, I don't know. It, it's very, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was good. I liked it. Um, d- ditto Josh, I think, and I liked it too, obviously. Uh, but ditto to something you said I wanted to touch on. I just want to check with Inge. But I, I, th- I remember when I read it that I knew, like, I knew, I guess, that the Tisty Eater stuff would be relevant. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I guess my brain's so short memory or whatever that just like, I was like, well, I'm sure this won't stop. This stuff won't come up again. I read book five. That was a self-contained thing. <laughs> and then... And then they showed up in this book, and I remember being like, oh, my God, the Tist Eater. I know who they are now, uh-huh. and they're mentioning this emperor, and holy shit, that's Rulad, and, you know, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah, I'm so excited to see how that goes. I wonder if either of the, the 14th armies will end up having to fight them, like if they're going to meet somewhere. The 14th or whatever Dujex is, the 9th? Honestly, for, I forget right now. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, me either. So Inge, uh, Tamul is here, and he's speaking about the Wiccans, and he's, like, pretty bummed out. And he's like, damn, we're, like, totally defeated. He feels shameful, um, and he's not—he he thinks the return to Unta is going to be hard for the Wic- Wiccans. What do you think? What is, what is Unta? Where, when were they in Unta? Because that name sounds familiar. Is that relevant? Like, what, Unta's, why, why? Unta's, I don't get Unta's relevant. Yeah, isn't it, like, something to do with, like, the, the heart of the empire? Like, isn't it, like, one of the big empire places? Yeah. I can't remember for sure, though. Because Quantali is the continent. Quantali is the cap, the the continent. Unta's the capital of the empire. Not Malaz City. No, um, I could be getting it fucked around. I actually think... It was one of them was once the capital, and then I think Malaz City was the capital, and now Unte is. I think. Yeah. Yes. Maybe I could be wrong. Um. I think I am wrong. So, I have to be honest. I've always mixed them up myself, and I. Uh, it's just you know. It's just it's it's the op. It just trips me up, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I I have a question. Sure. I don't want you guys to make fun of me if I'm wrong. I would never make fun of you. I am correct. Unta is the imperial capital. All right. So I have a take that I want to that I want to talk about about the eaters. Sure. And I, if I'm wrong, we'll just move past it. Okay. I wasn't going to bring it up, but here I go. Okay. Okay. The Taxilian person mm-hmm. had a finger. Mm-hmm. Is it Feather Witch? Hmm. I forgot about the f- whose finger got cut off. Um, the, the brother, brother. Breeze. Breeze's finger got cut off. Wow. I thought they had said there was a body they found that had was missing a finger, but maybe I was wrong. It would make a lot more sense if it was Breeze's oh. finger. No, I think oh. you're right, Andy. That would- well, the only reason I say that is because you guys are like I thought it yesterday. I read it I yesterday, too. and then. 
Peter kind of made it seem like we might, like he didn't make it seem like that, but like I have a feeling that we know who the Taxillian person is. Not that it's relevant, but I think it would just be interesting if it was. Mm -hmm. And you're covering your face now. Am I wrong? He is covering his face now. Um, I just don't want to, I don't want to just underplay the importance of Malaz City, another important place. Well, we were in Malaz City. That's where that, that's where the dead house is. That's where uh, that place, that that bar. It's where Mox Hold is. Yeah. Um, but Unta is technically the capital, but Malaz City also important. So this is just to put a button on that. Got it. And I have uh, no comment about your th- other thing. So okay, ba, 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 ba. someone cut off one of his fingers. So there was a body that was oh. found with a finger cut off. So it could oh. be that, or it so could maybe be it's not. maybe it's I don't not. know. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. Featherwitch being able to cast spells. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, she could. I thought that she did all that shit. Um, she she read the holds. She was able to read all of the holds and do that weird kind of like like reading the deck of dragons, but the older version. But I don't think she could actually like access a warrant. But she maybe it's not. I don't know. That would be really that'd be that would be fucking cool though. So the last part of this chapter, we we threw out to the Wiccans who are in a bad place. You hate to see it. And then uh, last... They're always in a bad place. They've been they in a bad are. place since, since we've met them. That's true. Yeah. They've basically never been vibing. Um, yeah. And then last, uh, the survivors from Yucatan show up, and uh, Tavor, like, isn't a dick about it, you know? I was shocked. You thought she was going to be a dick about it. I, I, was, I was worried that she would be. Bone Hunters in Truth. Flip the page, book mm-hmm. four, the bone hunters. Ba ba boom. Feels like it really hit me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's good. You know, we're good we're, we're doing it, you know. So uh I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here today, unless you guys have anything else to add on these these three chapters. No, I, I solid time. As always, I I'm left at the end of this book going, Well, what the fuck are we doing? Oh my god, my whole ass book just fell. Uh, no idea where we could be going from here because there's too many plot threads and I don't know how Steve's going to do it. You don't know how Steve's going to do it. Is he going to get it done, India? What do you think? Are all the plot threads going to end? They always do. They always do. Hmm. Yeah. The only one that's not going to end is anything that has to do with the crippled god. Ah. Accurate. Man. And, the- and oh, you know what else is not going to, you know what else is not going to end? Anything with, um, Mappo and Akarium. I, I see them making it to the very end because Akarium is going to uh, destroy the world at the end of this series, I've decided, by the way. I, I wonder, it's going to have to come to an end at some point. Like, right now, it feels like it's all on seven cities and it's going to end this book. But, like, I just, I can't, I'm, I'm like India, I can't imagine this thread ending here. It would make no sense. Um... I will just say this. We're actually not done introducing plot lines to the story yet. So, <laughs> well, awesome. yeah, we we're aware. Obviously, yeah. it's not the Any last t- chapter. All the time, whenever I like occasionally glance at the Malazan subreddit, there's always hundreds of names and places that I'm like, well, got a lot more people to meet, I guess, and things to do. Just just always, you know, Steve. Steve's on his grind, yeah. you know introducing new people oh yeah but listen uh that's gonna do us for your day um maybe aj has edited in uh their comments let us know what you think of the show at 10 very big books at gmail.com we're on twitter tell a friend about the show uh thank you so much for listening and next week on the show we're reading chapters 17 18 19 and 20 
Um, and that's going to lead us into ending, uh, ending out the Bone Hunters. Looking forward to it. That'll do us all for today. See you. Bye. Goodbye. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here in a tank top. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I was really bummed that I had to duck out early, but I think it was nice to have the original trio back in full force for one more episode. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us at 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. That link will also be in the show notes. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on patreon.com. If you would like to pledge to our Patreon, you can head on over to our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. That link will also be in the show notes and as always thank you so very much to dan gezerick for making our spectacular cover art you can follow him on twitter at a underscore w underscore dan g for the hottest baseball tweets and of course the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only amaranthan from their album simulant rain which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on july 16th where we'll be discussing the bone hunters chapters 17 18 19 and 20. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening.